Thank you, Brandon. Good morning. Morning. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. So I want to ask and start with a question, and I want you to raise your hand, all right? Raise your hands to this question. How many of you want to prosper? Okay, for those of you that aren't raising your hand, you can take a nap during this message because <laughs> I'm going to talk about, from Colossians, Paul gives some teachings about how we can prosper under pressure. That's a series we're going through. How do we prosper under pressure? But really, how do we prosper anytime? He gives us tips, teachings. Actually, he's trying to give us truths that will change our mindset, that will transform our mindset, our perspective, the way we see things. You know, when we talk about biblical prospering, we're talking about prospering in God's eyes, right? Prospering spiritually, prospering in God's eyes. There's a worldly prospering. There's a prospering in man's eyes, and that might have to do with success or wealth or status or things like that, power. But those things are all temporary. Those things are all passing away. But prospering in the Lord, prospering biblically, is prospering in a way that benefits you, that gives you life eternally, forever. And those are the ultimate ways of prospering. So we're going to look at, continue our series in the book of Colossians, we're going to look at Colossians 2, verses 6 through 23. And again, Paul gives some really deep, heavy teaching here because he's trying to speak some truths that will transform our way of thinking and our understanding of how to prosper in our lives, right? So let's look at, let's start with Colossians 2, verses 6 through 6 and 7. Let's just start there. Apostle Paul writing, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Right? That's a powerful opening line. As Just as you have received Jesus, in the same way, in the same manner you have received Jesus, walk in him. Having been rooted, fir firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and established in your faith. Just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Does it sound like prosperous life? You're overflowing with gratitude. Your thanksgiving, your appreciation of life and the Lord and all that's happening is overflowing. Paul says he's giving us instruction on how to do that, all right? So Paul here is, he's making a parallel. He's making a parallel between how we receive Jesus Christ, how we receive Christ, receive salvation, and how we live the Christian life after we have received Christ, right? He's making a parallel. I have a little chart for you I made, and it gives a little diagram of this parallel, okay? So on the left, it's salvation, how you came to know the Christ, how you came to know Christ. So he says, just the way you came to salvation, that is the way you are to walk in Christ now. So salvation, we received salvation from God, right? Total free gift. You didn't have to do anything except receive, right? But Paul is saying, the way you live your Christian life, it's also something you receive. 
you received from God. You know, a lot of times we think of the Christian life, the first thing we come, that comes to our mind is do. What do I need to do to live the Christian life? But Paul is saying, no, the Christian life, walking in that life, is something you receive. Okay, next. It, Paul says, you're rooted in your salvation, right? He says in verses, firmly rooted in your salvation. And in our Christian life, you're being built up in God, in Christ, in your Christian life. Next, salvation is something unseen. It's an inside, interior, unseen work that the Lord does inside of us. Our Christian living, it's seen on the outside. What God has done for us inside, more and more, it starts showing in our outsides how we speak, how we act. How we build what our perspective, our attitude, all right? Salvation, it is received by grace. Your Christian life, the way you live your life is received by grace also. And then salvation, it is a gift given to you. I think we all know that, yeah. Salvation's a gift, but the Christian life, it's also a gift. The way you live your life, it's a gift given to you by the Lord. Paul, you know, Paul addresses this in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He answers the question, how were you saved? Because that's the parallel of how we live our life, how you were saved. In the same manner you were saved, that's the same manner you live your Christian life. Paul gives an answer to how you were saved in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Probably a memory verse for some of you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So Paul is saying salvation is a total gift. It's all God's work. It's all by his grace. We just receive it so that you will know that we have no boasting in it. We can take no credit in our salvation. Do you know, Paul saying, the same is true the way you live your Christian life. It's a gift. It is given to you. You already have it. Now it's just walking in it, but you have it. And we take no credit in it because it's given by the Lord. So Paul says, just as you were saved by grace and it's a gift, your Christian life it's by grace, and it's a gift. You know, grace, you know, a typical definition of grace is unmerited favor. I wrote my own definition of grace. My definition of grace is this. It's a gift of God's power so that you can be the amazing person God has made you in Christ. God gives you not only salvation, but he gives you the grace of his power to live the life that he has given to you, that he has done inside of you. Now, we're going to unpack this. Paul explains it. We're going to unpack it. But I think the key word here, the key word in this verse is receive. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You received salvation, but you have also totally received his life. If you're a Christian, you have already received his life in you fully complete and God gives you 
the power, the grace to live that life. It's not from our own effort, not from our own striving, not from our own ability. Okay, so Paul comes impacts this. He explains what this means. So let's go on to the next and how to live this life. So let's go on. Now verse 8 through 11. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive, puts you in bondage again, through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So Paul is saying, okay, how you live your Christian life, it's not the way you would do it in the world. It's not the way the world would try to live the Christian life, right? It's not by traditions or worldly thinking or worldly effort. If you try to live your Christian life that way, what's going to happen? He says captivity. You're going to put yourself in bondage again. Verse 9, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, in Jesus In Jesus, the fullness of God is in Jesus. And in him, you have been made complete. That's, okay, we're going to get into that. That's, we're going to get into it. And he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So Paul, again, he says, don't try to live your Christian life the way the world does. Right? The way you grew up. You know, everywhere you go in life, it's a worldly approach to life. And it says this, nothing is free. You have to earn everything you get. You have to strive for it. You have to work for it in school, at work, right, with, um, you know, sports. That's the mindset of the world. And Paul is saying that's empty philosophy. That's the world's way of doing it. That's the traditions of men. If you try to live your Christian life that way, you are going to put yourself back into bondage. Because the world's perspective, it's based on lack. I don't have it, so I have to strive, I have to work, I have to earn it to get it. That's the world's perspective. God's perspective, God's way of doing things, God's way of living our Christian life is completely opposite of that. Okay, so let me give you... This diagram, let me see, let me get this straight. I hope I do it right. Okay. So I made it here, but I know in the back you can't see this, so we have a big one here. All right. This is the way the world operates, okay? So again, it's you down here, you at the bottom, and let's just say this is God, this is anything you want up here. So you have to put effort into it. You have to strive. You have to earn it. And then you receive something, right? This is the way the world operates. A lot of Christians bring the worldly thinking to your spiritual life. So a lot of believers believe this is the way that I walk out the Christian life. 
this is the way I live the Christian life. I have to give to God. I have to go to church. I have to give money. I have to do good things. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to help the poor. I have to have to have to have to have to. And if I do all of these things, then maybe when I need it, God will give to me what I need. Right? It's like a spiritual insurance policy. We pay, we pay, we pay, we pay, so that when we need it, we receive. Many people live the Christian life this way. You know what's wrong with this? Not only is it totally off base, not only based on the world, when you do that, what happens when you do that, and then something goes bad in your life? And then you start thinking, hey, I've been paying into it. I've been paying into my God insurance policy. And why is he, he paying off? That's like the older brother, the prodigal son, right? He's been paying. He's been paying. He's been paying. Where is my feast? A lot of people, this is their view of Christianity. They didn't get saved this way. We None of us got saved this way. In fact, Paul says in Galatians, you foolish Galatians. You mean you received salvation by grace and now you're trying to live your life by striving? This is the way a lot of people live their Christian life. But Paul says, right, our salvation, our new way of life, it is all in Christ. Not only your salvation, but your Christian life is in Christ also. In Christ, there is, Paul says, right? Fullness, in verse 9, there's the fullness. Christ is everything. Christ is all of God. And you are placed in him. So then Paul says, this is a, in Christ, we have been made complete. What form, okay, for those of you that, it's an English majors, what form of speech is that? You have been made complete. I, I try, I, I think this, it's, I think it's past participle, right? Is that right? Past participle? Oh, what? Oh, present perfect. Okay. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Okay. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is, Right? What it means is, it's done. In the past, it has already been finished. You have been made complete, right? Sometime in the past, you were already made complete. It doesn't say you are being made complete. It doesn't say you will be complete. It says, you have been made complete. That's powerful. Because you sitting there right now, because of the work of God and because you were in Christ, you are complete. You're complete. Turn to your neighbor and if they're a believer, say, you're complete. You're fully complete. 
You're lacking nothing. Okay, I want you to declare this. This is, this is spiritual warfare now. This is spiritual warfare because you are declaring a spiritual truth that is contrary to the world that Satan does not want you to know. He's trying to blind us. He's trying to hide it from us. He's trying to keep you from this truth. So we need to declare it now. Say, I am complete. Okay, ready? One, two, three. I am complete. Really? I want you to say it with conviction. Because you are declaring a spiritual truth that God has done. It is finished. It is done. He has made you complete already. And so we have to declare that truth in the face of the world. Because the world will always tell you, you're not complete. You're lacking. You've got to strive for more. You've got to strive. That's not free. You're The enemy is trying to accuse you every day. He says, look what you did. Look what you said. You missed your devotion time again. You yelled at your kids. And every time the enemy is saying, see, you're not complete. That's a lie. That's not the truth. And so let's declare it because it's the truth. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you don't feel complete, that does not change the fact that you are. Because it's something God has done. So let's declare, let's stand. Oh, we got to stand to do this. I just saw, I could tell, I feel, I see it. we got to stand and, and say this. If you're able to stand, okay? When I say it, I am complete. One, two, three. I am complete again. I am complete. One more time. I am complete. That's the truth. That is the word of God. Okay, now sit in your completeness. You can sit in your completeness. Okay, so what does that look like now? This, this, is, this is the Right? This is the religion. She's trying to earn favor from God, being in good standing. This is the way the world, every other religion, this is how they approach God. You are complete, though. This is the new picture for you. You are in Christ. You are in, the Bible says, the fullness of Christ. You are complete. You have been made complete. That means everything that's in Christ is yours already. So the difference with this is we, it all starts with receiving from God. 
God has done that for me. God has given that to me. He has poured that out to me. Everything is from him. I receive it. And once I receive it and I'm, as Paul said, overflowing with gratitude, then it goes back to God. God, we just return to God a small portion of what he's given, the abundance he's given to us. And we give it back to him. And we give it out to others. But it comes from the fact of knowing and experiencing and receiving fully what he has already done for you and what he has available for you. Okay? It's okay. I'll just use this. Yeah. What does complete mean? The root word for this, complete, different ways it's used in the Bible, filled to the full. That means nothing else can be added. You're at full capacity already. It means lacking nothing. It means rendered perfect. It means obedient in every way. Now, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives is teach us how to stay in our completeness. Teach us what our fullness looks like. Show us how to bring what God has already done inside out in my actions, in my thinking, in my behaviors. It's already in there. We've been so long in the world, trained by the world, in the thinking of the world, that, you know, sometimes, a lot of times, we will just default to how the world lives. And the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not who you are. That's not what God has already done in your life. And he helps to bring all that out. Now, Paul goes on to say, once you've received Christ, not only are you complete, you're in a whole new reality. A whole new reality. Let's go to verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism. What kind of people are buried? Dead people. Dead people are buried. Having been buried, again, past perfect, what is, whatever. Okay, you understand. It's done already. When it's done already. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You know when people get baptized, it's not just a symbol. It is showing the reality that has taken place in their life. When they go under the water, that represents that old person. Whatever, that mean person, that sarcastic person, that selfish person, whatever. That person is dead. And under the water means buried. Rising up, it's not the same old person. It is a completely new, perfect person in Christ. Do you think God would resurrect you to be an that old person. He would resurrect you to be that same old person. No. So that's what baptism, it's showing 
the spiritual truth and reality about who you are. Let's go on. Verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Past, present, future. All. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. That's what the enemy uses to accuse. These, when we sin against the Lord, then we accumulate debt. We accumulate debt towards the Lord. And that's what the enemy tries to use to accuse us. Past debt. But it says it's been canceled out on the cross. Because uh, of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. All your debt, all your future debt, canceled. It's like you have a spiritual credit card. Every time you sin, gets rung up, rung up, rung up, rung up, rung up, rung up. But when you receive Christ, all the debt and all the future debt, all the future debt you will incur, occur, incur on that card is wiped out. Soon, try to use it. It doesn't even register on that card anymore. Wiped out. When he dis had disarmed the rulers and authorities, see, he made, he made the enemy powerless. His accusations meaningless. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. When you receive Jesus Christ and his life, you died. And I think that was pretty smart of God. Because he didn't want to try to reform us. He said, oh my gosh, Barry, I don't want to have to try to reform him. That's too much work. That's too hard. And he's going to mess up. And there's no way he's going to be able to do it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kill him. Kill him now. Just kill that old person. Kill him now. He's dead. He got nailed to the cross. And you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they got together and, and they said, this is the plan. When they receive you, Jesus, and the work you've done, we're going to put them on the cross with you. We're going to, you, when you got nailed to the cross and you died, all those that receive you, they're going to be put up there with you because they're in you. So any, everything that happened to you happened to them. And you died. You died, and you were given by God a brand new birth. You know, after Jesus, everyone who's received him, we're a completely new race of people who are not from this world, not born of the flesh, but born of God, born of the Spirit. Jesus was the first new Man, he was the second Adam because the first Adam messed up. So he was the second Adam to start a whole new 
race of people who are made in the image of God, who God will bring to fullness in his image. And that's why if we try to live in this world by the worldly way of seeing things, thinking, doing, speaking, that will lead us to bondage because we are not those people. That's where everything has changed if you're a Christian. When you receive Christ, you were born a whole new race of person. You know, there was a movie out several years, a bunch of years ago. It was called Weekend at Bernie's. And in this movie, it's a kind of complicated story, but basically in this movie, these young, young guys, their boss, he's like a really super wealthy. They get it. He, he invites these young guys who work for him to his house for the weekend where he has these blowout millionaire parties, right? And when they get there, just the whole other story. But basically, when they get there, they find him dead. He's been um, murdered by the mob, right? But they don't want their weekend ruined. They don't want their weekend ruined. And all these people are coming, so they try to fake it to pretend like he's alive with, and so they, you know, look at these pictures, right? So, right, that's Bernie, he's dead, but they hold his arm out, they wave to the people, right? Here's another picture of Bernie, right? He's on the couch or hanging out, but that's, he's dead. But you're trying to act like he's alive. Here's another picture, Bernie, right? He said, right, and there's another thing where they're on a boat, and they're, on, and, the whole, and they're faking everyone out by pretending this dead guy's alive. This way of living the Christian life, you're trying to pretend that a dead person's alive. Your old person. You're trying to reform your old person. Make your old person better. Oh, if I, if I could just not do this sin anymore. I'm going to try to make this old person better. And Paul says, this is bondage. It's like you're trying to put makeup and act like this corpse is still alive when it's dead. A dead person cannot live the life that God wants you to live. So don't try. Don't try to live this way. It's this way. You know, when you think of your quiet time, for a lot of people, like, quiet time means like spending devotional time with the Lord every day, you know, getting in his word, praying. I think for a lot of us, that's like a work. It's like a checkbox. Okay, I, I did it today. I did it today. Imagine, what if this is how your devotional life is? When you go into your time with God, it's more about you receiving from him. You just recognize and receiving who God made you, all that God has given you, all that you already have. You just just enjoy him, enjoy his peace, enjoy his love, 
We said, Lord, can I just have a greater experience of your love? He says, sure. That's what I love to do. I love to love you. And then we just return back to him after he's filled us up. What if that was what your devotional life is like? You go there to be with God and for him just to receive him, just to be reminded of who you are. Hear from him words of love, affirmation, encouragement, guidance from him so that he can lead you into experiencing this more. You know, the remaining of Colossians 2, verses 16 to 23, basically Paul urges them, don't let anyone throw religion back on you. That's what he says. He says, don't let anyone throw religion back on you to, to think that you have to observe these special days, eat these special food, you have to do things to your body, you have to have these supernatural visions and encounters, you have to do all these things. You know basically what religion is? It's this. Jesus plus. That's what religion is. Jesus plus. So you have to know a certain thing. Jesus plus, you have to do a certain activity. Jesus plus, you have to experience this certain thing. Paul says, don't let anyone put those things on you. That's religion. That's bondage. Because you have been made complete already. Now let me give you just a couple of applications to close. Number one, every day, receive. And it, it might take you a while, and it might feel funny. You go to God, and you just say, God, I'm here to receive. Because the world and the religious spirit in you will say, no, you got to do something for him. you got to do something first. But every day, you go to receive. And let me just say something about this word receive. When I say receive, it's not really receiving because you already have it, right? It's not like, God, can you give me more love? And it's not like he says, okay, and then he gives it to you. It's not receiving like that. When, when you say receive your love, it's like, Lord, open my eyes, open my heart so that I can um, recognize, experience the love, the amazing, overwhelming, endless love that you have already given to me. So just so we're clear, when we say receive, it doesn't mean you don't have it and you have to get it from him. But it's just easy to say that term, right, receiving. Let me make clear. So every day in your quiet time, in your devotional time, receive. Receive, 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 receive. Stand in your identity. Even ask it, God, I don't feel too complete today. Could you just show me? how you've already made me complete. God, I don't feel peace today. 
but I know everything in Christ is mine. Christ is the prince of peace, and I'm in him. Open my heart and my eyes so I can see already the peace, the complete peace that guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. I want to experience that. I need to experience that today. Can you just give that to me? Open my eyes so I can see that. What about patience? You already have all the fruit of the Spirit coming out of your ears. It's abundant. But a lot of times we don't feel patient. I don't have to be patient. Just this past few days, i got to go home and probably repent to Dale. I've been like an impatient guy. Different things going on. You know what I need to do? Not do something. i got to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what's going on? Because my thinking, I'm, I'm out of alignment. I'm out of sync. I'm living out of my flesh. I'm thinking out of my flesh. Jesus. Can you show me again, tell me again, remind me again, open my heart and my mind so I can see all the patience that you bestowed on me. God, you are so patient with me. You are so patient with me. Help me to stand in that patience. Help me to experience that patience. Every day, don't go to give to God. First, go to receive. And as you're overflowing, then give it back to him. Second, we're going to, gosh. <laughs> Did I have the worship team come up? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I wanted to do that lab time, and I ran out of time. So I go, okay, got to do the lab time this time. Okay, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to do short lab time. And actually, maybe we could just start the worship in a little bit, and then during the worship, you can do this lab time. Okay, lab time, let's go to the next slide. Right now, I want you to take out your phone or take out something to write if you have a phone. If you don't have a phone, don't have something to write with, it's okay. You could just kind of make a mental note. All right, in the next couple minutes, I want you just to ask the Lord these three questions. God, how do you see me? And then God, how do you feel about me? And then God, what do you think of me? And then just here's some instructions. Okay, you, this, you can't do this with your human mind. You can't do it with your own thinking. So you just try to connect with the Lord Get into the flow of the spirit, and whatever comes into your mind when you ask that question, write it down. Don't think about it. Don't analyze it. Just whatever comes to your mind, write it down. All right? And make sure after you write it down, especially as this lab, make sure you hear something positive, loving, and affirming. about who you are. So make it this form, the bottom. Your name, you are. So in other words, 
what I hear from the Lord, God, how do you see me? It could be, I hear the Lord say, Barry, you are awesome. Barry, you are blank. Or, Barry, when I look at you, I see my favorite beloved son. Positive, affirming, encouraging. Because that's the heart of the Father. Because you are complete, perfect in fullness already. And he wants you to know it. And this helps, doing this exercise, helps it to go from here to right here. Okay, so let's do that right now. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, I want to ask in Jesus' name that you come to bring the heart of the Father, the heart of the good, loving, kind, gentle, patient, joyful Father. Would you bring the heart of the Father to speak to, to love on, to affirm and to encourage your beautiful sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. So I just encourage you to just go ahead and ask the Lord and write it down. Whatever he says to you, write it down. has so much he wants to tell you about how he feels about you. The Lord has hundreds of words that he wants you to know about how he sees you. About what you mean to him. More, Lord. More, Lord. Open the hearts, Lord. Lift the veils, God. Show them your goodness, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're always so willing. You're always so willing, God, to show us your heart, 
to pour out your heart to us because we are your beloved children. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that for everyone here, for many here, this would open up um, a new season in their life where they hear you speaking to them more and more and more and more about all the good ways and all the good things that you think and feel about each one. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. We're just going to go into a time of worship now, and I'm going to have the there's prayer ministers that are going to come here, come up, and on the third Sunday, specifically, we felt led to offer prayer for physical healing, especially. You could come up for other needs, though, but especially if you have um, a physical need, then invite you to come up. Just receive prayer. The Lord wants to demonstrate his love to you by bringing about healing in your life. So come on up. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It would be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.